Alrighty. Shalom and welcome, everybody. Welcome to uh, part two of this week's uh, Parshiot, which is for Achorimot and Kedoshim. Last or yesterday, we spent time in uh, Achorimot. And today, we, I, I said to myself, I felt bad that we didn't really get into Kedoshim. So we are going to be getting into that. Make sure to go and check out guitarrabbi.com. You can go right over there and get these teachings in MP3 form. Download them absolutely free. There's nothing to sign up for over there. I also have guitar patches over there if you use anything from Neural DSP and all that stuff. Some of the tones that I've come up with, you can go and get those over there absolutely free. And uh, you can also go and subscribe to Baruch B'Shem Yeshua right on Apple Podcasts. And we're going to be sending that out to various other places and to the Roku here very soon. All right. So a lot of exciting stuff happening. And so uh, let's go ahead and get started into Kedoshim. This week's uh, or this teaching today may be a little bit shorter. Then the one yesterday, we don't have quite as many slides. We had 10 slides yesterday, and today we have um, six slides, okay? And it all centers around the main point of this. And one of the things I want to stress is that when we bring up the first slide, which is Leviticus 19, uh, verses 16 through 18, we are using the Targums, and this really shows you how helpful the Targums are in your study. I know whenever I bring up the Targums, I always know that there's always going to be somebody who is listening or watching this for the first time. So I feel it to be my obligation to explain what exactly the Targums are. Okay. And what the Targums are, are a second uh, century BCE translation of the Hebrew text. Um, similar to that of the Masoretic, the Leningrad, or the Aleppo Codex, translated into Aramaic. And within that, in many of the translations, like the one that we have here, which is the Glutnik Homish, I also have the ones from Art Scroll as well, which are absolutely amazing. But you may find certain things in parentheses. Why are they in parentheses? Because these are not things that are found in the Hebrew text. These are things that help to amplify the Hebrew text by using certain things like Jewish halakha by using uh, you know, the Talmud and things like that to better explain these verses. So they may not read exactly like what it is that you have in your Bible, but a lot of this always comes down to base text. And one of the things I always tell people to do is know the base text of the Bible that it is that you have and that you often often use. Learn the history about that base text. And um, so a lot of people at times, they're like, oh, well, this, uh, uh, this verse is in this translation, but it's not in that one. They think the problem is the translation. And it's not the translation that's the problem. A lot of the times you have older texts and newer texts, and sometimes there are ad additions to later texts and all that stuff that uh, do not appear in some of these others. And sometimes you got certain ones like the King James Version and all that stuff that um, added in verses for the reason of either A, clarification, or to prop up the um, Church of England. 
and all that stuff. One of the things I always end up saying that I see memes all over the place. Oh, well, don't get the NIV. The NIV is bad because it takes out this verse. Well, how do we know that this was actually in the text originally and it wasn't an addition? Nine times out of ten, it's an addition um, to the King James Version for the reason of either A, clarification, or B, um, to uh, uh, make the uh, Church of England happy and to validate their uh, their theology. So, you know, whenever you get into textual chronology, it's always very interesting to look at these things. And one of the things that I did for many years is I would, whenever I, it is I would do the Torah portions, I would pull out the Leningrad, the Aleppo, the Masoretic, and also the Targums, and then the English translations and kind of compare all those things. And <laughs> that was when I was much younger. I was able to do a lot of that stuff, you know, without my brain wanting to explode. Nowadays, as you get older, you start to slow down a little bit. And it uh, doesn't stop you from learning. Definitely not. But it's like, oh, my gosh, man. How in the world did I do that? So, you know, we're going to be quoting from the Targums. Long story short, we're quoting from the Targums here in the uh, first slide here. It says that you should not stand by your fellow blood, your fellow's blood in his life, uh, uh, if his life is in danger and you are able to save him. I am God who is faithful to pay reward and exact punishment. You should not hate your brother in your heart. You should continually rebuke your fellow, but you should not bear a sin by embarrassing him in public. You should neither take revenge nor bear a grudge against the members of your people. You shall love your fellow as you love yourself. I am God. Now, it's interesting that in parentheses here, it has embarrassed by embarrassment. And why is that? Because the the word for murder that is found within the Ten Commandments is related to the word for embarrassment because it means to have the blood rush to the head. That embarrassing somebody kind of plays in to that concept of Motsi Shamra Lishan Hara that we learned about last week in Tazri and Metzora. Embarrassment and embarrassing somebody is breaking the sin of murder at the same time. And that is why that right there is in parentheses. But these are the parts that are in parentheses, like if his life is in danger and you are able to save him, you know, and we're going to focus in a lot on that. This is stuff that comes from the Jewish understanding of these verses from days that predate the time of Yeshua. So, you know, if you're a person that's always trying to prove that Yeshua is the Messiah, like myself, the Targums are kind of your best friend in this instance. Okay. And so we are going to go and take a look at this. And we're going to first go to the words of Rebbe Nachman. Or not Rebbe Nachman, Menachem Mendel Schneerson, the guy from Habad, not the guy from Breslov. We're going to be looking at his words from Lekote uh, Soko. Sukkos, uh, which it says, the Baal Shem Tov taught that everything that a person sees is orchestrated by God as a specific message to him. Now, this is something we talked about a little bit earlier in Aharimot yesterday. This is the inner significance of Rashi's comment on verse 16. The fact that you see someone whose life is in danger proves that you are able to save him. For the fact that God allowed you to witness this event 
must surely be for a practical reason, mainly that you of all people have the ability to save this person. Likewise, if one sees a person drowning spiritually, it is a sign from above that one has the ability to draw him back to the foundations of living Judaism. Okay, now this is a concept of pekuah uh, nefesh. This is something that we see within that of the New Testament. Yeshua and his disciples were stopped by some of the Pharisees that I personally believe were followers of Shammai, who were amazingly strict, unlike the ones of Hillel. The ones of the ones who were students of Hillel, the Pharisees that were students of Hillel, they were constantly trying to get people out of trouble. Uh, Shammai and those Pharisees kind of did the opposite. They wanted to see everybody get in trouble and just, you know, kind of, you know, say, well, look at how awesome I am. I don't do what they do. And so Yeshua and his followers were picking grain on the Shabbos and eating it. This over here is the concept of Pekuah Nefesh that we see within this verse and that we see from the words of the Baal Shem Tov as well as Menachem Mendel Schneerson. So when anti-missionaries go and say, well, look at here on the Shabbos, he's going to pick and grain and all that stuff. But there are 36 things that are classified as work on the Shabbos. Picking grain is not one of those 36 prohibitions. It is not. And in fact, Whenever I read this verse, I see to myself, you know, Yeshua and his Talmudim immensely tired from their from their journeys, from their Shabbos day of walk. I see them as and and not having a place of their own to rest their very own heads, having to eat. This right here reminds me a lot of myself being a type one diabetic. As you guys know. We are not supposed to buy nor sell on the Shabbos. Not supposed to do it. I remember when I was the rabbi of the local synagogue over here, and I asked this question to the congregation. And I realized to myself I needed to do a better job of preparing them for these day-to-day things that not just happen in my life, but happen in their families' lives, and so on and so forth. And I brought this up because of the fact that um, there was somebody in the congregation who, whose child had a medical emergency, and they're like, but it's Shabbos, you know, should I? No, it's like, no, no that, that doesn't matter. You go and get them fixed, get them taken care of, take them to the emergency room. And it was just so crazy to me that that was even a question. So I asked the congregation this question, not revealing who that individual was, that the night before had called me up and asked me about this whole thing. And I said, okay, now guys, as you all know, I'm a type 1 diabetic. Let's say that nobody in this congregation had any sort of sugar, a soda, or anything like that, and my blood sugar ended up dropping, I fall from the Bema onto the floor and all that stuff, and I'm saying that I need a soda to get my blood sugar up. I need some peanut butter crackers to eat on to make sure that it's maintained and all that stuff. None of those things are within the synagogue, but across the street is a convenience store, and it's Shabbos. Is it okay to go over there and to buy and sell in order for the reason of Saving a life, Pekoha Nefesh. 
How, the congregation was split on this. I asked the question. I brought people up to the beam and I said, what say you? Half the congregations were in agreement on one way and the other half was on the other way. And I said to myself, I've done a horrible job of preparing these individuals here if they don't understand the concept of Pukohat Nefesh. So, throughout the next couple couple of um, of uh, Friday night uh, uh, teachings, I ended up teaching on the concept of Pukohat Nefesh. Because I've seen so many times atrocity happens and people think that God's going to go and pat them, pat them on the back and all that. Stuff. Oh, you kept the, kept the Shabbos and you let you know a family member die or you let your pet die or something like that. No, that's not the way that God works, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. This concept of Pekoha Nefesh allows a person to go against the stringencies of the Torah in order for the reason to save a life. Because of the fact that if a person goes and breaks the Shabbos by saving a life, that life is being able to uh, worship on many Shabbos as opposed to no longer being able to. This is something that the stages go in deep discussions on. And it's interesting to me that this is not something that is often taught, sadly. All right, so let us continue on here. We're going to the Tanya here. It says, all Jews are called brothers, literally due to the source of their souls and the one God. And this entire idea be is because the word uh, Jew is Yehudi, which means one who is consecrated unto Hashem. It's not the definition that the Hebrew Roots Movement has come up with, that it's one who's from the tribe of Judah. No, that is not the case, because all 12 tribes are Jewish. And it is only their bodies that divide them. Therefore, those who care for their bodies first and their souls second cannot share a true brotherly love. For their love will have ulterior motive. This is what Hallel the Elder meant when he said about this mitzvah. This is the entire Torah. The rest is commentary, etc. See Talmud. We're going to look at that passage here in the next slide. For the basis and the root of the entire Torah is to prioritize the soul over the body. Now, the thing is that this seems to be in contradiction. It says to prioritize the show, the, the soul. Wouldn't it be better to be in the Elom Haba? Well, this would only be the case if a person was a true Sadiq, if the person was without sin, if it isn't something that God had a plan for them in order to maybe reach others or maybe to kill even more of their very own Yetzirah so that they can progress spiritually in their relationship with God. This would be a person that would have to be at the pinnacle of the pinnacle. This would have to be somebody who is at the level of Yeshua, the Messiah. However, we know that not such a person exists. And in fact, there is only 32 Zedekim in the world at any given time. 32 Zedekim Per generation is what it is that we're told in Kabbalist texts. Only 32. Whenever it is that we see ourselves as being high and lofty and all that stuff, just remember that. Out of 6 billion people, what is it, 8 billion now? It might, it might be 8 billion now. You're one of the 32? If it is that you even think that that's a possibility, the thing is that 
You're definitely not. Why? Because it shows you you have a Negro problem. But they mentioned Rabbi Hillel and this very famous story that is found at Tractate Shabbos, 31a in the Talmud. It says a Gentile approached uh, uh, Shammai. Now, it's funny because this translation says Gentile. Uh, the word that is actually used there is nohar, which is a different kind of Gentile, which a Gentile, this type of Gentile is a heathen. Okay. This is somebody who's looking to get rid of their hedonistic tendencies. Okay. They're possibly to convert. And as he says to Shammai, he is looking for conversion. He says, convert me, but teach me the entire Torah as I stand on one foot. Shammai, feeling that he wasn't serious, chased him away. The Gentile then approached Hillel with the same offer slash request, but was met with a very different reaction. Hillel agreed. The entire Torah on one foot that Hillel taught him was... That which you hate, do not do to others. A paraphrase of the command to love thy neighbor. That is the entire Torah. Hillel told him. The rest is simply an explanation. Go and learn it. One of the things that we have to realize here is that within Brit Shab, Within that of the New Testament, a lot of the times the arguments with the Pharisees that Yeshua has taken issue with are the ones from the school of Shammai. And this is kind of, we could kind of see that by the way that Shammai react as opposed to the way that Hillel act. There were five different schools of Pharisee. And the thing I could tell you is that whenever it is the halakha was up in the air, it was not decided upon. There was the school of Shammai and the school of Hillel. And the thing is that when we look at what the halakha of Yeshua was, over a hundred times he quotes Rabbi Hillel from the Talmud. One such case is here in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. One of the Torah teachers came up and heard them engaging in this discussion, seeing that Yeshua answered them well, he asked him, which is the most important mitzvah of them all? Yeshua answered, the most important is Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you are to love Adonai your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your understanding, and with all of your strength. The second is this, you love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other mitzvah greater than these. This is one of numerous times that Yeshua and Hillel were absolutely um, in agreement. The only two times I say that it is that they weren't, that he actually sides with Shammai, was in relation to the tax and of divorce. Those were the only times in which it is that I could see that Yeshua sided with Hillel. But let's go to our last slide here. This is uh, by the Rebbe, Rebbe Menachem Endos Nirsen, Levavitcher Rebbe. He says, the three loves of God 
love of Israel and the love of the Torah are one. This means you should love God, your God, is you should love your fellow like yourself. So we see this halakha of Hillel has been passed down all the way into Hasidus today, where we have this being quoted by not only Menachem Mendel Schneerson, not only by the Baal Shem Tov, but also by that of Rebbe Nachman of Breslov as well. We see this being quoted all throughout Hasidus. And this premise that is within the Torah is centered around this. It's a premise that we find all throughout throughout the Bessel Road, throughout the words of our Rebbe Melech HaMashiach Yeshua. And this is the premise of us putting ourselves into servitude, seeing ourselves in a lowly place, seeing ourselves as lowly, not being egotistical, not being arrogant, not saying, look at how important I am. Look at how observant I am. But instead to put ourselves in a place of humility. And the, the concept of humility is something that Rabbi Hillel shows and can be paralleled within that of the laws of B'nai Noah. Some people get kind of woolly when they hear about the Noahide laws, laws of B'nai Noah. Why are you getting woolly? Acts chapter 15 lists four of them. The other three were already a part of secular law. They say, the disciples of Yeshua say, start out with these. And then learn the Torah of Hashem in, in the synagogue. That's what they say in Acts chapter 15. What is the reason for the laws of B'nai Noach, the Noahide laws? What is the reason behind them? It is so we can shed our fleshly desires. So we can truly become humble, seek humility, to seek the face of Hashem, and to draw ourselves closer to Hashem, and to not be individuals who use the name of God for the reason of prominence or profit, or to be seen as that guy's important. The laws of B'nai Noah cause a person to shed their fleshly desires. They, they lose that animalistic instinct that I do what it is that I do not based upon any sort of morality, but for the reason to live and to be satisfied, to have my ego stroked, and because simply it feels good. Shed the shedding of those fleshly desires are the things that bind us to our inner satan, to the Yetzirah. So, by the shedding of these things, when we pursue other mitzvahot, we are doing so for the reason of Lishma Hashem, for the sake of God, as opposed to for the sake of self and our own self-glorification. I understand that looking throughout the landscape that is out there today within that of Judaism 
and Christianity. It is so easy for us to get wrapped up in self, especially with many of the theatrics that we end up seeing. With the smoke screens, with the big amphitheaters, with everything being a production. And with the cadences and the heavy breathing and all, you know, just all the stuff that is out there it is becoming theatrics. And it's for the reason of giving off a certain type of aura about oneself. Saying, this is what I am. Because I do this, I am holy. Because I have this, I'm a big deal. So on and so forth. The thing is that we shouldn't look to those things. Look to those venues to learn how to be men and women of God. We look to the scripture. We look to the rabbis. We look to the Zedekim of old. And above all else, we look to the Messiah, Yeshua. We convict ourselves. Instead of heavily wanting to convict one another, we look for self-conviction. So that whenever it is that we see another brother in need, another person hurting, we then are able to be the men and women of God that God wants us to strive to be each and every single day. All right. Guys, I know this week uh, or today's teaching was shorter than the one yesterday, but hey, you know, think of think they'll give it in this matter. You got over an hour worth of Torah teaching for the two parshiot this week, and uh, we will have this MP3 up uh, tomorrow for you to be able to download on the podcast page or on Apple Podcasts. All right. Make sure to go and check out guitarrabbi.com. That is where you can get those MP3s. You can also go and subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well. To Baruch, Bashem, Yeshua, all the links are right over there at guitarrabbi.com. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Shalom, bracha, peace, and a blessing. Thank you so much for joining us. Shalom.